Welcome, Claire. Happy Pride Month. Yes, it's it's June. We also celebrate here in Austin in August for the students to be able to participate. So we get two really hardcore Pride Months here. Yeah. But, um, this is the one that the whole country gets to celebrate with us. Well, I am very excited to celebrate. And I'm also very excited because it seems that your reading list and our and my reading list are just packed full of queer poets. Mm-hmm. And so it was really hard to narrow it down and make decisions about who to who to read and discuss today. But we've got some great ones. So yeah, I also want to mention um, for those that might not know is that Claire and I are also booksellers. We're very passionate about putting great books, especially of poetry in the hands of poetry lovers. Um, And part of that job and that passion as lovers of poetry and booksellers is making sure that marginalized voices, queer voices, women, people of color are not looked over when someone's browsing. And so Mm -hmm. all year round, if we recommend books on the podcast or at the bookstore, we definitely take into consideration making sure that we always share our favorite queer poets, especially ones with debut books and kind of like up and coming. So just wanted to mention that you're going to be crushed at the end of this because you're going to want more. There's always more. You can also just message us online or on Instagram or on Twitter for recommendations. And our Friday reads usually have some really great up and coming queer or BIPOC poets as well. Totally. Yeah, we're redefining the canon. I think that's that's been the mission of people in poetry and academia, I, I think, are trying to redefine what it means to read from the quote unquote canon. And that's definitely something we get to define however we want as booksellers. Um, so we have our own essential reading lists that we have put together whenever somebody walks into the store and wants a poet that they've never heard of before. or or someone who is young and writing now, or like a foundational queer poet like June Jordan, who's no longer with us. Um, Mm. But yeah, there's a whole there's a whole canon to be created and read from. Yes. Before we dive into our celebration of contemporary poets, I would also like to take a moment of remembrance. This year, we're remembering the sixth anniversary of the Pulse Massacre. Mm -hmm. And in searching for poems for this particular podcast recording, I came across this really powerful poem by John Keane in his new collection from Song Cave titled Punk's New and Selected Poems. So if you will all join me with this poem, Pulse by John Keane. For the 49 murdered and 53 wounded at the Pulse nightclub, Orlando, Florida, June 12, 2016. We are the quiet street hours before doors open. We are the first words and the parting ones. We are the cologne and perfume selected for tonight alone. We are the fragrance of soap, Vaseline, shea butter. 
We're the pressed polos and tees, the freshly laced kicks. We are the pants just out of the dryer, the sweater that fits. We are the glances, the stares, the winks. We are the close cut, the Caesar, and tight fade. We are the crucifix, beads, and cavalry shells. We are the knockoff watch and the 14 carat chain. We are the cordon and the gathering line. We are the sachet and the strut and the swagger. We are the foundation, mascara, and blush. We are the eye blink, the heartbeat, the hush. We are the oil glistening in locks, ponytails, and froze. We are the piercings from eyebrows to tongues to noses. We are the mouth spray, the breath mints, the gum. We are the bustier, the suspenders, the garters. We are the shades that never come off. We are the pocket scrap or the rolling paper packet. We are the X, the weed, the snowy trail. We are the bitter beer, fizzy soda, and sweet cocktail. We are the chairs rearranged to open the floor. We are the sweaty brows, the half-hidden tears. We are the gleam of smartphone screens. We are the small talk, the banter, the laughter. We are the claps and the clapbacks. We are the wigs on too tight or just right. We are the improvised steps, the smoothest moves. We are the dances that precede the groove. We are the cruise, stare, and icy glare. We are the kikis and air kisses and shade. We are the gossip that cannot wait to be told. We are the static, bass, and reverb. We are the heat rising off bodies nearing, touching. We are the beat that slides beneath the beat. We are the fallen lash, the broken heel, the belt cinched tight. We are the proposal for a lifetime, few minutes or the night. We are the breath held till the end of the evening. We are the closing doors, the bolted locks. We are the silence that always remembers. We are the song that never ends. Just such a powerful poem. It's so sensual in terms of being all about the senses. And I really hate this word. And I hate saying this and thinking about these poems in this way. But it humanizes mm -hmm. the we of it all. Being the victims. Being the survivors. Being the whole LGBTQ community, 
shouldn't have to be humanized because they're human. But Mm -hmm. I feel like that's what this poem is doing. If you think about someone sipping the bitter beer or applying perfume, suddenly it's, it's you because your own senses are engaged in the poem. Mm -hmm. It's a really subtle way to create empathy between the reader and the subject. Yeah. For me, it immediately brings to mind some of those more youthful days when I was a bit more (laughs) adventurous and um, would go out dancing or even recent days when I'd gone out dancing and all of the steps that it takes to get ready. And Mm -hmm. not once are you taking into consideration, or at least in the past, that something horrible could happen. You're just getting ready. Yeah, you're all the prep and the pomp and all the details and the central experience of it all being something that's supposed to lead to just a night of, like you said, dancing and and fun and youthfulness and um, just another night of your life. Yeah, I think that's another thing this poem is doing is the heart sinking feeling that this is what someone was doing in order to prepare for their own death. Mm-hmm. They just didn't know it yet. And nor should they have. <laughs> that should never have been the case. But I'm grateful for this space that we have here today to to remember those that we've lost. Um, and I hope that those listening take time this month to sit with this poem or sit with this memory to just reflect on on the violence that queer people experience every single day and and think about actionable items that we can apply to support our queer communities. Yeah. So we're we're celebrating Pride Month and as much as I wish that's all we got to do when it came to being an ally and supporting our queer friends. I am very aware that, especially as um, a person with a lot of privilege, you know, there's so much more that is required of us at this point, required as allies. We don't just need to fly our our rainbow flags and, and say, yes, that's awesome. But it's really important to to be a good ally. And I think it's important to recognize that the entire queer community and especially those uh, who are even more marginalized. So our black trans community, for example, are in grave danger on a daily basis. And, you know, coming back to some of the central aspects of this poem, these little things we take for granted having the ability to to care for yourself in the most basic human ways is not always possible for them. So it may seem like a small way to to get involved and to help to donate money, but everybody needs money and and it actually does make a difference. So please join us this month in donating. And a couple of places where I'm going to donate this month are the Okra Project. And the Okra Project is a collective that tries to address hunger 
this this global crisis of hunger faced by black trans people by bringing home cooked, healthy and culturally specific meals and other resources as well to black trans people wherever they can reach them. Theokraproject.com um, is where you can go to find out about how to donate and some of their other programs and resources. And the other place, which is, this one is new to me. I found them just doing a little bit of research because I really wanted to focus some of my donations on a local organization as well. And I found one called Out Youth here in Austin, Texas. And Out Youth was actually founded in 1990. And they serve uh, Central Texas LGBTQIA plus youth and their allies, so youth and adults, with programs and services to ensure um, happy, healthy, successful lives. And so that entails a lot. They have all kinds of events and support for families. They have counseling services, uh, suicide and mental health crisis support. They even have like a tobacco cessation um, program for people who want to quit smoking. I mean, again, coming back to these basic human rights, basic human experiences, um, it's it's hard for everybody out there right now, but it's especially hard for our most marginalized, most discriminated against communities. And so, yeah, I really feel passionate about doing what, what we can to support them. So outyouth.org, there's a big yellow button where you can join us in donating. Thank you so much for providing us with some actionable items um, for this episode and for this month. It's important. And I'm happy. I'm happy to be here. And I'm happy to donate that. That's the way I'm celebrating. Yeah. It's one way <laughs> that we're celebrating our, our queer friends this month. And for this episode, we have, I believe it's five different poets that we're going to be sharing with you all today, all wildly different from one another, which I love just like a very versatile stack of of poetry mm -hmm. um and a couple of them are our very own a couple of them are debut collections and then we'll be closing out with a poem from john Keane's punks as well so we're in for a really great time and yeah we're just so grateful that we get to carve out this time and this space here on the podcast to celebrate our own and introduce you all to some new poets that you're going to love. Totally. Let's do it. I'm so excited to hear these poems. So who are you going to read first for us, Anar? My gosh. So if you've been following Host Publications and our chapbook prize, you know that our very first chapbook prize winner is Monica Teresa Ortiz. And we published Autobiography of a Semi-Romantic Anarchist as our very first chapbook, and we sold out, I believe, around the year mark. Mm -hmm. And what's special about that is that I believe it was for Pride Month, Monica requested that we make this available for free um, with suggested donation to an organization that she supports. And every few months, we'll update that for her. But I'll be reading a poem from that collection. And if you're curious and want to... Uh, read along or just download it for yourself um, and to share it with your friends and family. 
you just go to hostpublications.com and search autobiography of a semi-romantic anarchist. I'm so excited to hear one of Monica's poems again, because like you said, this is the first trap book that we, we published for this series. And it's absolutely gorgeous. And it's so interesting to me how the poems change over time after you haven't revisited them in a while. So, um, so they don't have titles. Um, so what page of the book are you going to read? I'm going to read from page 21. I have been suicidal often, but not as often as I have been drunk coping with the end of the world. I fixate on puzzles in a polluted haze. I binge on champagne, sometimes tequila. I was still 37 years old, vomiting outside Hotel Vegas this summer, saying goodbye to a woman I met during my blue period, on my way to watch a film by Jodorowsky, an artist only superseded in talent by his misogyny. He directed a film called Boesia, Sin Fin, and Boesia is the life I think I live. We went to the cinema in an absurd summer, sitting in the plush red chairs of the old Marchesa Theater, heat refracted by screens. We sat unburied in a coffin of dreams. We drank rosé and retold our interpretation of reincarnation. As I suspected, she possessed a kiss of conviction, uncommon in her peers, and I became nostalgic for a lifetime as a misanthrope. She'd never read 100 love sonnets, so we sat on the shore of the Colorado, and I offered her Neruda's arrogant attempts to forget love. Gravity pulled at her eyes, and like a poet, she filled my hands with water, unpunished, surprised. Both of us lonely philosophers traveling through time, sharing phosphorescence and suspended memories of lives we lived before we were extinguished, expecting the world to bristle and exhale, anticipating the acid rain to erase us. Wow. <laughs> I really love the lines, gravity pulled at her eyes, and like a poet, she filled my hands with water, unpunished, surprised. Uh, so strange and beautiful. Mm-hmm. Monica's poems create an atmosphere in which it's the end of the world, <laughs> which, like, it is, and... And yet there's space within that for love. There's space within it for queer love. Mm -hmm. There's space for experiences that have meaning and for being a philosopher, lonely philosophers traveling through time. Like that's still something you can be in the end of the world in Monica's poems. And I really love that because they aren't nihilistic they aren't saying that nothing matters because it's all gone to shit. 
<laughs> you know? In fact, I think they're very romantic and things matter even more because of the state of the world. And I really appreciate that in this particular poem. If this poem resonated with you, please go to our website and download it. Yeah. It's such a, such a haunting and gorgeous collection. Thank you. Thank you for reading that one. Please. And I will read one more poem by another host author that was published, oh my God, a year and a few months ago. Um, it's hard to believe, but we're so proud of this collection. Mm -hmm. This is the chapbook Mistaken for Loud Comets, which is still available on our website by Lily Somerson. Anytime anyone mentions Lily's name, there's always this, oh my God, this like, <laughs> I just hold my heart. I just love Lily so much. And we just had such a great time putting this chapbook together. From Mistaken for Loud Comets by Lily Somerson, the poem, there is a scientific study that suggests suffering is genetic. My doctor is asking about chin hair, sexual tendencies, the details of how my head splits often and ache. Most days, my ovaries throw themselves against the hallways of my body. Too much testosterone, my doctor concludes. He examines my palms, uterus decorated in cysts, hips slanted under a microscope. Are you more tired than usual? A female frame with a mirror broken inside of it. I consider when I have binded my chest to itself in protest. Hormones so comfortable orbiting masculine. I know nothing of my own heat. Testosterone flooding the office, the waiting room, rushing around my anatomy, body always hurling against itself, begging God to let it be everything, to let it be everything all at once. That's one of my favorite endings of a poem by Lily in this book, to let it be everything all at once. <sighs> yes. So, so powerful. Yeah. A gorgeous meditation on gender and and how it's treated in a clinical way, not just by doctors, right? And then, of course, this poem's thesis is instead of either or, it's both and, you know, unto infinity. And I love that. I love that so much. Let it be everything all at once. <laughs> We're just clutching our hearts. Lily! <laughs> Claire, what have you brought for us today? So, as we mentioned before, there's so many great foundational queer poets to read. And um, if you do a quick Google search, if you're interested and, and you want to find some fun lists, the internet is full of them. And you'll find both older poets and newer poets on those lists. Uh, but you do see a lot of the same folks who get talked about a lot, which is great. And we want them to have 
as big of a readership as possible. But there's also these, especially as booksellers, you and I are so lucky to be in constant contact with what's coming out and what's new. And so there were a couple of collections I've been really struck by lately that are, as you mentioned before, debut collections by young poets who are just getting started. So I find that really exciting and also kind of an actionable item as well, coming back to that, that buying these books, supporting these poets, reading their work, championing their work um, only helps to solidify them as having, as we always like to say, a seat at the table or a place <laughs> in uh, the canon. So yeah, I think I think that that's a fun Oh, I suppose a little bit of a selfish way to participate in um, Pride Month and allyship is to buy yourself some books, which are amazing, by young poets um, who could use our support and absolutely deserve our support because they're so talented. So all of that is to say the first poem I'm going to read for you is from a book called Wound from the Mouth of a Wound by the poet Torin A. Greathouse. This book was published by Milkweed Editions, and Torin won the Ballad Spar Prize for Poetry. And so this is her, her debut collection. So Torin A. Greathouse is a transgender cripple punk poet from Southern California. That is very fun to say and very cool. Torin is an MFA candidate at the University of Minnesota. This is their first full-length collection, and it's really, really exciting to get to read this amazing poet. So the poem I selected from Wound from the Mouth of a Wound is titled, There's No Word in English for the First Rain of Any Season. My friend's mother used to say that every time you cry, you are crying for everything that has happened since the last time you cried. Ceramic piggy bank bursting with a debt of salt. When I began to transition, it wasn't into a daughter, but instead a flood. Wide-eyed breach. Birth of memory. I took the pills inside me and outspilled blue nail polish. Ropes of silver chain, my mother's curls, my father's gin-drowned face, sky-blue baby clothes soaked in lake water, fish hooks, sapphire earrings, spent copper shells, Christmas cards, prom tickets, and my birth certificate drenched till dissolving handfuls of baby teeth, trout scales, burst ball points, vertebrae, knuckle bones worn to dice, one diamond missing from a second wedding ring. The list goes on and on and ends as all things seem to, polished, brilliant, by hard rain. Oh my goodness. <laughs> Mm-hmm. That's a it's a long list. And you know I love a good vignette. This felt so cinematic. It pushed us through. It's just such a beautiful vision. Yeah. And 
when you first sent me this poem and I read, when I began to transition, it wasn't into a daughter, but instead a flood. I like screamed. That is <laughs> so just incredible. Like, that's great. It's gorgeous. And then there's a flood that comes after it, a literal flood of language. Mm-hmm. And the title points out that there's no word in English for the first rain of any season. And I think that that's what really drew me to this poem conceptually, apart from the fact that it's beautiful, is that there's this idea that we're looking for a piece of language in this list that is a flood, that is a list of really interesting tactile items. And yeah, Mm. there's no conclusion to the list. It's all just polished by a hard rain. So I love that that idea that we don't have language. Language is so important when it comes to how we engage with gender now. And and I love that. I love that we can be as specific as we please. But I also love the idea that this unspecificity and again, coming back to Lily's poem, this kind of both and everything all at once, mm-hmm. there isn't a word for it feeling. I really think this poem delivers that feeling. Such a great choice. Thank you, Claire. You're welcome. What else have you brought for us today, Claire? So the other poet I've been really getting into and who I actually had a brief encounter with uh, because Shen Yang used to live in Austin. Um, Yeah, his name is Shen Yang Fang. And his debut collection just came out with Copper Canyon in 2021, and it is called Burying the Mountain. Shen Yang Fang grew up in Chengdu, China, and composes poems in both English and Chinese. While studying civil engineering at the University of Illinois, he realized his bigger passion lies in the architecture of language and is was a poetry fellow at the Missioner Center for Writers. He recently graduated. Um, his name, Shen Yang, originating from Chinese mythology, was a one-legged bird whose dance brought forth flood and rain. Wow. Wow. Amazing to have your debut collection at Copper Canyon. You know that this poet is no joke, <laughs> but um, to the point of composing poems in both English and Chinese, there's definitely an overt sense of the influence of like traditional Chinese poetry in Chen Ying's work. But then there's also this really kind of reckless, avant-garde, even, dare I say, American influence of like the postmodernists that also creeps in. So it's a really, really interesting blending of style. Something I love about Shen Yang's work is that he is not afraid to just insert his reading list, his current reading list into a poem. He's like, I just read a line by, you know, so-and-so. I just read this. And it's all in the work. And I really, really love that. Like, you don't have to flip back to the notes section. You kind of get a sense of what this poet is consuming and in the moment that they're writing the poem. It's just very vulnerable and transparent. And the poem I'm going to read from Shen Yang's book, Burying the Mountain, this title is a borrowed line from the poet Paul Salon. And 
The title is Time the Stone Makes an Effort to Flower. Why are we asked to cut into this realm of red dust? In the southern dynasty, the stars shine bronze swords upon an eddying evening, knifing the orchid patterns over the waste of mountains, where monks under oil lamps recite the Heart Sutra, their tenuous effort to harden hearts into rocks. Their bodies, round by the night pours, becoming raw plums with no branch to untwist from. To reflect is to hold all the remembered longings that are lost by time, and to deflect is to meet all forgotten faces, which are eventually one face. A thousand overlapping eyelids of hydrangea are a thousand wine cups beside your grave. I have no intention to make this an elegy. Part of me is dead with you. Let that be the elegy. Part of me so alive, so extra. All night, ached by my arms, the unplucked strings of a lyre, liars to their own body, I am lured into clasping an opening that was once the shape of you. Parchments of desire, illegible scribbles, salt line on your blighted thigh. Teach me the dark art of doldrums. Teach me to survive with one posture like a pebble in streak lines of river. But if something survives the fire, survives the destruction of forms, will you walk to me in this destroyed blue as I walk to you for the rest of my time barefoot? Will you touch me? your finger bones then synthesized with stems of chrysanthemums. Will you return to me my desire, burning for the two worlds to meet? Oh my God, that ending is so beautiful. Will you return to me my desire, burning for the two worlds? to meet just like the most amazing last few lines of a poem but also i think a wonderful synthesis of what his work does which is you know to put it in a basic way he does so much at once like yeah. one line is doing multiple things in terms of what kind of meaning it creates yeah, it's it's really fascinating to me. I've read through this poem over and over again, and I can't get to the bottom of it. And I really love that about it. Thank you, Claire. Absolutely. There's so much love in these poems, I think. Yeah, and that's what I was hoping that we would would gather. There's so much grief and struggle in being a queer person within and without mm -hmm. ourselves and our community. And so I'm glad we can bring some some bright poems 
to our readers and listeners today. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) On the note of celebration, I want to say congratulations to John Keane. He won a Lammy on Friday, just a couple days ago. Um, And it was just like best gay poetry or the Lammy for gay poetry 2022. And if you don't know what a Lammy is, Lambda Literary Awards queer poets, um, or I guess just queer writers Mm -hmm. with just recognition. um, And yeah, to win a Lammy is like, it's a big deal, especially, you know, recognition and being on these like shortlists and finalists um, are so important because, I mean, even just when I'm curating my own reading, I'm like, what am I missing? Um, Mm -hmm. What are some presses doing great work that I haven't come across yet or don't have access to yet? Um, And so these awards are really great. um, But Lambda Literary is such a great resource. Um, If you're a lover of literature and want to know what's happening. Yeah. So congratulations to John Keane. Congratulations to Punks. I'll be closing us out today reading a piece from Punks um, from the section Playland. But before I just want to, I want to sell this book to you all. You all have to buy it. Um, You know, obviously everything that we've shared with you today, we are so happy to share with you. But I just got such a kick out of like, there's some really great blurbs for punks, um, like Tahimba Jess, who if you if you know anything about me, or if you've come to the store, it's my hand cell. It's the book that I love the most is Olio by Tahimba Jess. So when I see Tahimba blurb anything, I have to check it out. Um, but here is the blurb for punks by Tahimba Jess. Keen's masterfully inventive inquiry of self and history is queered, blackened, and joyously thick, with multitudes of voice and valence. Amen to this exploration. <laughs> oh, that's such a good blurb. Yes. Um, thick with what? Thick with multitudes of voice and valence. Oh, I like that so much. Oh, yeah, I'm sold. So good. Amen to this exploration with an exclamation point. At the yeah, end. I love it. Um, so great. And it's exactly this is what this book is. Um, so John Keene has done so much, um, but I can give kind of a little intro or a little bio just in case you are unfamiliar John Keane is a writer, translator, professor, and artist who was named a MacArthur Fellow in 2018. In 1989, Keane joined the Dark Room Writers Collective and is a graduate fellow of the Cave Canem Writers Workshops. He's the author of Annotations and Counter Narratives, both published by New Directions, as well as several other works, including the poetry collection Cisbosis, with artist Christopher Stackhouse and a translation of Brazilian author Hilda Hilst's novel, Letters from a Seducer. Woo! <laughs> we love Hilda Hilst. <laughs> um, Keen is the recipient of many awards and fellowships, including the Windham Campbell Prize, the Whiting Foundation Prize, the Republic of Consciousness Prize, and the American Book Award. And 
as of recently, a Lamy. <laughs> <laughs> he teaches at Rutgers University, Newark. Yes, this is a poet to know. Yes. Um, something cool about this poem, it originally published in a collection called Playland, which was a chapbook titled Playland that had 49, it was limited edition, 49 copies, which I'm like, this should have been <laughs> way more. But but now we have it in punks. Um so we can, we can breathe. <laughs> we can rest easy. <laughs> you can find find it. Um, but there's a series of angel poems. Um, there's four in this section. But today, I will read to you all the angel of indifference. Cool melody of encounter, like crickets massing in a meadow on a late summer night or the nervous system before our circuits overload. Not fright, but the white silence, blurring swiftly, too staticky to bear, being invisible again, always forgotten. This, the angel of indifference, reminds me as he passes on the barely lit path. The park is empty except for us, cruising. I reach out to snare him, slow his departure, but he has already turned to seduce me with gestures that telegraph the reproach. He sips languidly from a flask, but does not share it. He takes a bite, then another, from a succulent black bar before tossing it into the bush. He lights what I think is a cigarette, its ember a mirror in the creeping darkness and watches as the smoke shawls around my shoulders. There is nothing more he will tell me that I have not already heard. There is nothing he will not teach me that I have not already learned. I shudder as he shares this minor grace and for it I am forever grateful that his face though dark and blinding as an eclipse, is as much a map of forgiveness of mine as the pillars of grass breaking under our own and soon those of innumerable souls. The angel of indifference remonstrates me with each kiss tipped with cold disinterest. In the end, it's the desire alone will remember, not our backs mounting or our thighs breaking their netting shadows on the glossy sod as dawn, paying us no mind, stirs itself awake. <laughs> it's such a beautiful portrait. Yes, that's exactly what it is. It's a portrait. His face, though dark and blinding as an eclipse, is as much a map of forgivingness of mine. Interesting. Forgivingness of mine. That's yeah. such a cool line. I just love that last sentence. As dawn paying us no mind stirs itself awake. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Watches as the smoke shawls around my shoulders. Hmm. It's just so beautiful. It's really a portrait of, it feels like a very much like a French ennui. Mm -hmm. 
Maybe that's why I love it. It feels extremely cinematic. Mm -hmm. I mean, it is, um, but, you know, surreal. Mm -hmm. Just really, really gorgeous. Oh, thank you so much for reading two John Keane poems in our... Yeah. But thank you all for for celebrating and for remembering and for connecting with us this Pride Month. Yeah. And if you if you can make a donation, please join us in donating and happy Pride Month. Happy Pride Month. Woo! Woo-hoo.